episode. Um, but, you know, I think I gave you a few things to check out. And my bad, I was all over the place, but I'll definitely try and keep better tabs on things next time. This is just a last minute recording session that I was able to squeeze in seconds before my family time starts. So, all right, y'all. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode. We're in episode. I forgot to even check what episode number it is. Uh, just because I'm a bit frazzled, to be honest with you. I'm starting the podcast off kind of crazy. Uh, oh, see, I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff. You can hear stuff going off in the background. Sorry about that. Uh, I believe this is episode 77. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, just because I'm in the middle of doing a bunch of work. Um, and yeah, sorry, this is 78. Surprise, it's 78. <laughs> but uh, I'm in the middle of doing a bunch of work. Today's my day off, two days off in a row. Hoo-hoo. I'm trying to take, uh, you know, a couple of days off in a row at the beginning of each month. And I've done that again. And today is like my work day. So I rested in the morning and now it's middle of the afternoon. And apparently, you know, um, everyone's going to come back at any time, maybe like the next 15, 20 minutes. So I just wanted to hurry up and get something recorded, get something down. Because after that, uh, my day is going to kind of spiral out of control. So uh, as always, this might be a short podcast. Uh, it'll just, I'll just go until everyone kind of comes back for the afternoon. But I got some good stuff for you guys. That's why I was flipping through my phone trying to find everything because I just hit record without even like prepping everything to be on switches. So sorry about that. But we did, I believe, work out our audio issues. I were I listened to the previous episode. The satisfactory level. I still need to get a little bit better at my um, audio editing, but I think we're on the right track. So thank you guys for hanging in there with me. And um, yeah, just been a productive week. A lot of good stuff going on, continues to go on, uh, starting the next leg of my personal journey, if you will, and, you know, just doing my thing. Hope you're doing the same. Let me get these earphones back on. Okay, so let me jump into things. So something really interesting came up on my, um, fa- not Facebook, on my YouTube timeline that I really want to share with you guys. It's, it's kind of ha- had me thinking a lot, really deeply and shit about uh, life in Japan, raising my child children you know and how i want the next generation uh to to go down and what it is is i'd like for you to check out this youtube video this interview um my the title is my japanese is my first language if you just type that in it'll come up once again japanese is my first language born and raised in rural japan uh, to black parents so what is is this girl uh tiffany i forgot her last name sorry but um her name is tiffany and she's 100 percent black african american but her parents who are both black moved to ibaraki uh and i guess they had her when they were both teaching english and so she grew up in a very rural area of ibaraki um which is like countryside countryside now, until she was 12, and I believe after the earthquake of 2011, her family decided to pack everything up and move back to America. So she grew up basically, you know, inside, like Japanese is her native language. On the outside, she looks like black, black, black. Not like, like that, but like she looks like a typical African-American person. But on the inside, she's, um, you know, listening to her talk and her mannerisms and things like that is very Japanese. And I can imagine, especially as a 12-year-old, like, you know, um, 
it was really uh, you know interesting situation for her going because she moved back to America and was completely hit with the expectations of being African American in America, which was completely different than as she was seen and what she grew up learning uh, in Japan, and especially because um, her English skills as well weren't um really up to snuff as she thought you know moving back and i won't summarize her interview for for you because i'll just let you kind of go through it on your own but me listening to it uh, her perception of if you do take the time to listen to it um her perception of japan versus life in america i very much agree with a lot of things that she says um her way of thinking about things um her perspective especially me growing up in America and living here like almost now almost like half of my life you know it's approaching that like half my life in Japan um I can kind of really connect with a lot of things that she said I of course I didn't have to deal with a lot of the challenges that she had to deal with because until like I was what 22 years old I was in America but just the way you know things are perceived and things like that is, is really really gives some insights and for me like Thank goodness the interview had Japanese subtitles because, you know, I've shared it with my uh, wife, my mother-in-law, and things like that. Oh, the conversation hasn't gone the way I thought it would go yet, to be honest with you. Well, my wife hasn't seen it yet. My mother-in-law, she saw part of it. and The conversation wasn't exactly how I wanted it to go down. Um, but I was just like, just finish watching the interview. <laughs> I was like, finish watching it. Um I went out for dinner and drinks with another family. We we went out for dinner and drinks. So I was I had a few drinks in me too. So I was like, wasn't in the, you know, accommodating mood to really kind of explain it, you know, in, in detail. So I was just like, look, I'm drinking. So I was like, let me just stop this conversation right now. And we'll come back to it after she watches the whole thing and when I'm sober. Because, you know, otherwise, I, you know, like I get very opinionated when I'm drinking and I kind of could feel myself on that type of issue getting that way so I was just like let me just take an internal time out and um come back to it again but for for you um I I think it's it it would be very very helpful I know I'm going to use that experience as a tool of things that I want and don't want my son to experience and I believe in her experience she had to go through quite a few things that I personally want to my kids to be able to avoid uh so that's why i really want my um japanese side of my family to really see that so i can explain like you see these are some of the hardships that happen that you might not be aware of and to avoid this i need to do x y and z so just let me do x y and z and don't get in my way <laughs> hopefully <laughs> they will be able to you know uh accept that i don't know i don't know we'll, we'll see but you know even if they don't understand it like it's something i can uh, reference to i can come back to in the future but just for you in general i think it'll be a very eye-opening and you know her story she's a really nice person uh it was really interesting listening to her talk and go back and forth between japanese and english and things like that um yeah yeah it's just a great interview i encourage you to watch it whether you're thinking about coming to japan if you if you have kids and you're thinking about bringing your kids over to japan especially long term you know that's something to think about or the reverse of that as well listen you know because a lot of times um with content I realized you can kind of reverse engineer a lot of things. So she, if you think about it, she was going from Japan to America. But if, for, for example, you're coming f with kids, 
from America to Japan, think about how the reverse of what she talks about would impact a child coming moving to Japan. You know, especially how race is viewed here and things like that. The things people say, the sensitivities you might have in your home country versus people might not have here might be some, you know, some things that you or children would have to adjust to. So not only just taking it at face value, really adjusting your perspective on the interview to really match um, what your life experiences are or and or are going to be, I think is really insightful. It was for me, again, from the perspective, not of myself, but for my son and using it as a teaching tool for the rest of my family. Hopefully, knock on wood. I really hope they get it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see. Um, it's just the ongoing process. So... Um, that's that. Uh, just to let you know what's going on in Japan while I search for the next thing I had, because I told you I have a list, but again, I was totally, I just hit the button and I, uh, actually, let me just stop the podcast right now and, and get prepared so I don't waste your time. Give me a second. Okay, sorry. Again, sorry about that. I had to just stop things. It's, it was spiraling out of control. But um, I couldn't find the list I was thinking about before. But what I do have, I just re refreshed my memory. Something I really wanted to talk to you guys about. A news story that broke here in Japan um, last week about uh, comedians. So if you check in, in the comic world, the entertainment industry, I should say. So if you check online, this is there's several, several different publications. But the one I'm looking at right now is from the Mainichi. Uh, which is you know Japanese and or in and English uh, publication. The title is 11 Japanese comedians suspended for appearing at antisocial organization party." One more time, 11 Japanese comedians suspended for appearing at antisocial organization party. And if you just all you have to do is Google Japan 11 comedians and a bunch of different articles will come up and you can kind of take your pick, right? I just chose the one at the top. Pretty much anyone, uh, anyone is fine. So, so basically, uh, actually, there's updates to this story, but I haven't really um, checked it out. I'll just flow what I what I read off the top of my head because it's a really interesting story. Um, so, actually, some of these comedians I like actually, but what happened was. Uh, uh, basically, in Japan, uh, several years ago, it should be almost 10 years ago now, you know, there's been a real big crackdown on Yakuza, basically. And antisocial organization means Yakuza. You might think antisocial meaning like at a party being antisocial, but um, the way it translates into Japanese is more like, um, how do I explain this? <sighs> Against everyday society. Is more, is more, I think, more of an accurate, you know, um, meaning uh, s groups who are not for, who are kind of go against society, if you, if you will, not antisocial in the traditional, well, it might be antisocial, but um, like, for example, anti-government and like that way. It's, it's, it's kind of a really Japanese concept, translating it into English that way, really, I think, really doesn't do it justice. But, you know, think of the society of Japan and groups that are against that society, if you will. And, you know, so um, it's how a soft way that they use to say Yakuza, basically. So um, what happened was and what what goes on is there's actually a pretty 
from what I hear, a pretty close relationship between the entertainment industry and the Yakuza um, here in Japan. Like, I'm not really sure the roots of it. Um, ah, now that I remember, if I remember from some historical period pieces or period dramas, um, it might, again, this is comp- pure speculation on my part, but it might go back centuries because um, in the past, uh, for example, like traveling shows or, or geisha shows or um, other types of you know entertainment carnivals and things like that were maybe either organized or assisted by the yakuza, like you know in medieval times in Japan. So like traveling, like the circus, like travel, you know, not only circus clowns, but you know traditional shows or theaters or arts or you know, um, why am I going blank now? Uh, wow. Well, I'm going blank on that art form. Uh, kabuki. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> it's my deal. Like kabuki shows and th- traveling kabuki shows and things like that were somehow, I can't, I don't know exactly how, but somehow assisted by the Yakuza. Maybe security, maybe just organizing, say, passage or something. I don't know. But that I'm guessing that connection has just kind of stayed there throughout time. So the groups, you know, um, the even the talent agencies or groups or things like that, you know, the senpai, kohai, things like that, just naturally kind of progress and are introduced to people and they know friends who know friends and things like that. Um, so, but so yeah, there's you know, there's always been that type of connection somehow. Um, but, and I would imagine, you know, also nightclubs, bars, and things like that, they're, they're somehow, I don't know, somewhere. I, I really don't want to know too, in too much detail. But basically, almost 10 years ago, the government had passed an initiative where basically any, just, just to, to stop, cut, basically cut off the Yakuza at the knees. So, um, pretty much any company or organization is not allowed to knowingly do business or associate with an anti-social group quote unquote meaning i forgot what the consequences are um but i think they're pretty harsh if you will i again well not, let me not speak on it. i don't know what the consequences are but they're just you're just not supposed to right so um basically if you're a business you're knowingly you get in trouble if you knowingly associate or do business with yakuza members so what um in response to that what happened was these 11 comics i'm not again this is the part i'm not sure i'm not sure if they knew about the party or they or they if they knew it was for yakuza group or they didn't know i'm not sure but basically one comic kind of brokered arranged a lot of other comics to perform at this um private party now, from what I hear, I've seen actually this scenario shown on a um, TV show. Actually, one of the comics involves TV show, to be honest with you, which is kind of weird, where a comic, they set up, uh, oh, my dog's coughing or something, where a comic was actually um, brought to a party that was supposed to be, you know, a Yakuza-related party, given a whole bunch of gifts, and they had him on his camera seeing what he was going to do. Of course, he was lining his pockets and taking a whole bunch of stuff, and they were like, yo, you're not supposed to do that. What the fuck are you doing? And they kind of scolded him for that. But it seems like that's what happened at this party, where kind of under-the-table, secret kind of party, you know, as entertainment, 
Um, cause you know, it's kind of like a status symbol to have these kind of comedians there performing and entertaining their guests. It's like, yo, we cool with these people and yo, this is a guy from TV and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a status symbol for the Yakuza members and it's maybe good money for the comedians, but that they can get under the table. Because if you don't know, a lot of these agencies take a big piece of the pie. It's not like anyone who's on TV and stuff like that, generally speaking, is represented by an agency. They're not going to like go on their own. They're not going to, you know, a big, powerful agency. It's kind of like in K-pop as well. The agencies really run the entertainment industry. Like, you know, here, for example, an artist or a musician, generally that you, you can have your manager and go it alone if you want, or you might have a label, but you might be in charge of your career. You know, you have a wide variety of things. Here, it's really locked down and controlled by these agencies, and they take a I've heard, maybe I read in one of the comments that maybe as much as 70% of, you know, these guys' booking fees is goes to the agency because they have, you know, close relationships with other big companies and stuff like that. It's just um, the way things are, are set up here. Yes, my dog's going back in his house. Okay. okay. But um, so getting, you know, if you can get paid under the table and get away with it, it's kind of like a nice little, nice little chunk of change, you know. So apparently this was brokered by some guy and everyone found out and a lot of these, um, you know, 11 of these com uh, comedians have basically been um, taken off the air. And actually you should know about this because a while back I did a recommendation of some of my favorite Japanese comedy shows and London Hearts was one of the shows that I recommend recommended and one of the members is a comedy duo and one of the members of london boots ichigo nigo i think is their official name um but one of the those co-hosts was involved in that right so for me i actually kind of still sometimes check in on that show and it's not i don't follow it as faithfully as i used to but i'm guessing that is going to be taken off the air and it might even be taken they also had some um some um whatchamacallit uh um other online streaming service content up as well i, I imagine all that's going to be taken off uh and the the one guy the more popular guy from the group just might have to end up going it alone for some period of time maybe permanently i don't know what's really going to happen but it really is interesting i told you in japan when you if you're a celebrity and you fuck up like it's over it's a wrap they, they throw you under the bus so um this another really popular comedian uh, uh on the show ame talk which my wife really likes um he's gone to uh, yeah it's just a bunch of people that just got caught up in this and they're really hurting so um again it just kind of shows kind of how the establishment here in japan really um, controls things and how if you fuck up here you are fucked <laughs> so please you know um just just you know keep keep tabs on, on that story and just let you know the lowdown on that all right nice we're into 20 minutes let me see if i can squeeze in one more uh story for you hold on let me pause this again and get my shit back together hold on well okay well, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to wrap up the, the podcast suddenly <laughs> this time. Um, I hear everyone pulling in to get ready. So my private time is officially over. 
But um, I think, you know, we got about 20 minutes into the podcast. I think that's enough information. So, all right, y'all. Talk to you later. Peace.